Recent bank failures, along with wild swings in the market and rising interest rates, have many pre-retirees and retirees running for the hills. Come back down. Today, we'll cut through the noise and calm the fears. Welcome in to Sound Path Through Retirement with Ben Koval and Matt Leibarker. Welcome to the show. This is Sound Path Through Retirement. I'm your consumer advocate, Gary Nolan. And here to help you take charge of your money is Ben Koval and Matt Leibarger. And they have over 10 years experience. They are fiduciaries, which means by law, they have to have the best interest of their clients. And they're with SoundPath Retirement Strategies. And they specialize pretty much in everything and anything when it comes to retirement, retirement income strategies, wealth accumulation, and so much more. Ben and Matt, welcome to the show. Great to have you here again on a Sunday morning. Good morning, Gary. Thanks, Gary. All right. So, you know, unless you've been living in a bunker somewhere <laughs> or a cabin in Montana, I'm thinking, you know, we know what's going on. This is the big topic, of course, these bank failures. So let's uh, let's get your take on it. Explain this to our listeners kind of in a nutshell, guys. Yeah, uh, the big issue came from the from Silicon Valley Bank first uh, and the failure ended up creating a tailspin. Really, the concern here is is something called financial contagion. But when you have inflation going up and interest rates going up, it ends up causing a, a strain on banks and how they overall make money, how they end up um, accumulating portfolios as well. And so this created really uh, a handful of concerns. And Silicon Valley Bank had to ultimately start to sell more things at more losses to make up for uh, these problems that have been arising. And that created a good old fashioned run on the bank. Yeah, And so uh, Silicon Valley Bank is home for many um, entrepreneurial uh, individuals and companies. Tech and startups. So, yeah, yeah, a whole lot of money there. People got skittish. They went and tried to pull all their money out and um, come, come to find out they don't just have that money in the back, you know, in the, <laughs> in the safe. Uh, they had to actually pull it from from different spots. And so it caused the federal government to come in and and take that over. What do you and mean? So, the banks don't have all their money in the back in the safe in the back? What, what are you kidding me? <laughs> well, well, we actually have a have, have a, kip, a clip that explains this great from our, our good old friend, George Bailey. All right, here it is. I got two hundred and forty two dollars in here and two hundred and forty two dollars isn't going to break anybody. OK, Tom. All right. Here you are. You sign this. You get your money in 60 days. 60 days? Well, now that's what you agreed to when you bought your shares. Old man Potter will pay 50 cents on the dollar for every share you got. 50 cents on the dollar? Yes, cash. Oh, Tom, you have to stick to your original agreement. Now, give us 60 days on that. Are you going to Potter's? Better to get half than nothing. Uh, don't go to Potter. <laughs> Am I right, guys? Don't go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely not. And so that's that's part of the concern here, and that's why the government had to come in and, and, and take over a little bit. So it... it it has to do with essentially the environment that we're in. And this isn't something that's honestly a, a surprise. Uh, you know, Silicon Valley Bank is a huge banking institution. Uh, we, of course, were hoping to avoid those types of issues. But the reason why this happened isn't necessarily a big shocker. Sure. And and interestingly enough, you know, I, first of all, I love that movie. I watched that movie this past Christmas. Yeah, it's it's classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as people, I'm sure, are more than aware if you've been you know, listening to the news over the past few weeks. But uh, that run on that bank, I mean, it was in a matter of what, two hours, I think, 40 billion dollars. It was just some yeah, in a morning. It was just crazy. And, you know. Something it, it's so convenient to have digital banking nowadays. It's so convenient, but what people don't realize is a run on the bank is very different today than it was back in the day yeah. when you had to go to the bank and stand in line, yep. and they could slow down the process a little bit. Now with digital banking, a run on the bank can happen instantaneously. Yeah, 
there can be billions of dollars attempted to be withdrawn uh, with everyone just sitting at home on their computer. So, gosh, when a run happens, it it happens a lot faster than it did back in George Bailey's time. Yeah, and of course right. now we have the FDIC, and uh, that that actually got started uh, right uh, during the Depression, 1933. I believe Roosevelt right. signed that law, so you know protect yeah. at least $250,000 of your money. I want to play a clip for you. Uh, Piper Channel chief economist uh, was with CNBC's uh, Power Lunch to weigh in on what the brace for the uh, following and the ordeal of the Fed rate uh, going forward. So here's what he had to say. The lag effects of all of these policy tightenings from central banks, from commercial banks, and from inflation create the conditions for problems to happen. And so I think, you know, this is one of several problems that we're going to be seeing down the road. Most of these are due to higher interest rates. Historically, problems arise, the big problems arise when job losses occur, which unfortunately is a typical byproduct of the lagged impact of, of higher rates. So, you know, our message to investors has been for quite some time now to be quite defensive and conservative and that we still believe we're in a bear market and investors shouldn't get too complacent on this idea that the economy is anywhere near recovering on a global basis. Thoughts, guys? Well, and that's something that's been weird about this last year. You know, the most uh, applicable time frame from the American economy perspective of 2022 was the late 70s, early 80s, where we had that stagflation issue. Um, You know, Paul Volcker came in and ended up shocking the market with interest rate hikes. Uh, but what's different or what has been different between that time and what we had experienced last year was the unemployment rate. Back in the late 70s, early 80s, unemployment rates were high. We had a lot of people out of jobs. And last year, we had record low unemployment rates still. Yeah. And so it was kind of odd to have that disconnect between inflation and overall workforce. But you know, then all of a sudden, 2023 comes around and anybody in the Seattle area knows that layoffs have started to happen, um, voluntary or not. And it's starting to create more of an um, unemployment issue. And so, yeah, that, that that's, again, one of the byproducts of what we've got here uh, yeah. with high inflation and interest rate spikes. Well, and, and that is the scary thing with what we call stateflation. I don't think anyone's officially defined stateflation as taking place yet, but I see the handwriting on the wall. But this this puts the Fed in a really unique situation where they have two tools under their belts. One, if Unemployment is high, right? Um, and you know, one of one of the things they will do is they will lower interest rates to free up money from the banks, make money cheaper, hopefully get businesses starting again and taking out the loans, building their additions, hiring more people. Uh, the issue is if inflation is high, then what they do is they raise interest rates to put on the brakes uh, of the economy and, and lower down that inflation. Well, what happens when you're dealing with both at the same time? Right. And so that's the real issue right now is to ease the pressure on the banks uh, and, and even really help with unemployment. Do they pause you know, the interest rates hikes and, and try to even perhaps reverse them? Or do they continue on with the interest rates hikes in order to ease inflation. And that's what we've been watching over the last couple of weeks has been in the news, you know, trying to figure out what their game plan is. Yeah, right? we're all trying to figure that out. By the way, this is Sound Path Through Retirement. I'm your consumer advocate, Gary Nolan. With me, as they are each week at this time, Ben Koval, Matt Leiberger, helping you take charge of your money. Thank you for joining us on 97.3 Cairo News Radio on your Sunday morning. I want to give you the phone number because uh, you're going to want to talk to uh, Ben and Matt after the show and get on their calendar. 877-249-6900, 877-249-6900. All right, let's continue with uh, the banking collapse and the issues it's causing around the country, guys. 
Yeah, well, let's talk about now how it affects an individual investor. How it talks to the, you know, the the small people, not <laughs> not the the big banking institutions. So FDIC is the big name in the game here, uh, and so that's the the safety net. You know, the bank itself should be a safe place to put your money. Not always the case, as we're seeing. So FDIC is what comes in and makes it whole, makes the makes it easier. And so a lot of people have this misconception that FDIC limit is $250,000 per person. That's not actually the case. $250,000 per person, per institution, per ownership category. Mm-hmm. And so you could take a million dollars, spread it between four banks and have FDIC coverage on all of that. You know, that million dollars is coming in. I mean, what's interesting about this Silicon Valley bank is that the Fed came out and said, look, we're, we're going to cover everything. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't matter if it's 250,000 or if it's, you know, 3 million we're going to cover, which is kind of a dangerous precedent precedent to set in well, some well, ways. It, it does it not increase the moral hazard, right? When it comes yeah. to do do banks now say we can be, be a little more frivolous with our investment uh decisions because ah, we we think that uh our our investors will still or at least our banker those banking with us will still be safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really what this comes down to is a risk strategy. It, it's not about making your money go to cash and just holding it in cash. That's not a good investment <laughs> strategy. But it's about looking at your risk assessment. Where are you in the overall risk landscape? What's your exposure? Where are your holes? Where are the problems that you have? And so, look, if you're five, 10 years away from retirement or if you are retired now, you need to look at that balance, especially with what's happening recently in um, in the banking world. And so we always offer clients uh, – during these shows, 10 or so spots we loosen up to be able to have a free, completely complimentary meeting to go over your risk assessment. Now, keep in mind, the strategies that we do typically fit best for clients that have over a million dollars, but we never turn somebody away who wants to sit down and actually talk about this. So the next 10 callers that come in or the next 10 appointment slots that we have, we uh, will sit down, have a total retirement plan review. We'll go through and do a fee report. Uh, we'll talk about taxes a little bit, answer questions that you might have, and then figure out really what is your risk side. What do you need to be risk exposed? What are you a bit too much risk exposed? And if you come in, we'll also give you a copy of my book. It's a book I wrote specifically to help retirees answer some of these basic questions in retirement. Uh, do I need an advisor? What about taxes? How do I manage my required minimum distributions? All of that is a thank you for coming in. Our goal of the show here is help you make the best decision So if you have any questions about what we're talking about, how it may apply to your own situation, just get a hold of Ben and Matt. Folks are standing by at SoundPath Retirement Strategies, 877-249-6900, 877-249-6900. And once again, you'll be connected with Ben and Matt and his team, their team, and you want to, you know, smooth path into retirement. That's what you want. All right. So. We are going to take a short break. We'll be back with more with Ben and Matt on Sound Path Through Retirement. What's coming up next? Oh, do this, don't do that, but whatever you do, plan. Retirement is all about the plan, and without one, you could face some serious regrets. So we've targeted some of the biggest retirement mistakes and offer some tips to help you avoid them. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. This is Sound Path Through Retirement. I'm your consumer advocate, Gary Nolan, with me. Like they are every week at this time, 
on 97.3 Cairo News Radio. Ben Koval, Matt Liebarger, and they're here, like I said, to speak to you about all the issues that you have waiting for retirement. Maybe you're in that retirement red zone. Maybe you're in there already. Maybe you're confused. I know I'm confused, and that just goes with the territory with me. Uh, but anyway, uh, Ben and Matt are fiduciaries, which means by law they have to have the best interests of their clients, and they specialize in everything and anything when it comes to retirement, some of the things we've been talking about. All right, so uh, regrets. We've had a few. Reminds me of the Sinatra song, My Way. But we're going to dig into some of the biggest regrets people make when they go into retirement. And, you know, the word plan is a four-letter word, but it's not a bad word. We're talking about planning. <laughs> That's what you need to do. Am I right, guys? Absolutely. Well, and, you know, when we're looking at this plan, uh, some things I look at when people first come to sit down with me, uh, of course, the first thing we do is what has their plan been? And and we begin to uh, see what was good, you know, what could have had some improvements. But it's kind of this idea of so what, what now? It's kind of my, my motto. Mm -hmm. So here's what you've done, but what are we going to do moving forward? And uh, just taking on from our last segment, we're talking about cash and banks and 250000 being FDIC insured. And let, let me start off with this. Cash does not equate to an investment strategy. Cash alone, hidden in a bank, or worse yet, you know, under your mattress, or <laughs> what was it? What, what was it we said before? And you know, buried in the backyard. Yep. X marks the spot. Yep. Um, it is important to keep in mind that cash in a bank is not a strategy in and of itself. It is certainly one element uh, for your comprehensive financial strategy, but that's not all there is to it. I had somebody come in a couple weeks ago, and uh, great great person we've been meeting actually for for a few weeks but they came in and we were just looking and realized that about half their money is is simply in cash uh simply in the bank and it just it just hasn't been invested so this is something where we like to look both Ben and myself and I think any financial advisor worth you know their lick of salt is going to look at seeing what you have that is liquid what you have that is uh invested for growth and what you have that is is safe principal protected safe and these are the areas we look at so yes there is some liquidity you'd absolutely need things come up you don't want to have everything locked away in illiquid and then life happens and then you're in trouble and you try to pull it out and you get deemed with all kinds of penalties so cash is important but just know uh having all your money in cash is not a retirement strategy well and even you know, sometimes we'll have people come in and say hey we want to put this money in cash because we're ready for the market bottom mm -hmm. you know we're, we're going to buy in at that bottom and because they're geniuses and we're going <laughs> it, to it's going to be great we're going to get better <laughs> overall return you know we shared some stats last week uh, talking about how even if you're timing the market perfectly on the bottom side when investing your cash, it doesn't equate to a significant increase in the overall. You know, it's time in the market, not necessarily timing the market. Time so, the market, yeah. you know, this conversation of, well, I'm, I'm putting it aside until this bottom hits. Well, yeah, it doesn't typically work that way. A lot of times clients just wait too long. Yeah. Right. Or they put it in too early and then they still take some of that bottoming hit. So, it's better to have more of a time horizon, more of a diversification for your investments. You know, when you were in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, you were investing yourself for risk tolerance, right? Mm -hmm. You were putting some money in international and, and short-term, um, long-term, mid-term, or you know, high-cap, various things. Sure. Uh, now that you're getting towards retirement, you know, say that you're within 5, 10 years of retirement or currently retired, you still need to diversify for risk. Mm -hmm. That's still part of it. But the second element is you need to diversify for purpose of the funds now. Because we are, once you walk out that door and you're no longer taking another paycheck in your life, these funds now need to support you. And so you also need to have a distribution strategy on how are we drawing this 
What's that going to look like? What's the tax qualifications of it? So the diversification conversation ends up being much more expansive yeah. once you get into retirement, a lot more than than a lot of clients think. So that's a, another issue that I see is not understanding the true diversification needed in retirement. Yeah. How, how about how long someone's going to live? This is something I see a lot when people sit down is – uh, if if I ask somebody how long do you expect to live, I've had a I've had some fun, uh, you know, asking people this question because uh, I, I like to see what they think. And and sometimes I had somebody who sat down in my office and they I first asked about health because we were talking about when to draw Social Security. Mm -hmm. I said, well, uh, you know, what, what what runs in your bloodline? You know, yeah. I, I, what, what's your longevity look like? And he says, uh, well, first of all, I'm very healthy. And and just looking at the person, speaking with the person, you know, it, it seemed like that. Mm -hmm. And he says, but I'll probably only live 10 more years uh, because of a tradition within his family of people right. dying off young. And so it, it's an interesting conversation. Uh, but I had to say, well, let's not underestimate life expectancy. It, it may be that you follow in the line of, of, of your family, but. If not, let's not have you run out of life before you run out of your money. And so part of planning, too, is is expect a longer life. Plan for that. Yeah. Have you guys no, heard my uh, story about my about my kingpin story? Have you heard? Did I tell that story to you guys? <laughs> yeah. I have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just that you know life's taking forever, and that's what life's <laughs> taking forever. Taking forever, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, life expectancy. Is, some people throw around the stat saying that life expectancy is like seventy nine or seventy eight or something like that, and that's true in America if you take it from birth. Unfortunately, sometimes things happen in life. So if you make it till age 65, your life expectancy is 85. 85, yep. Now that's where most people end up passing away. And so, yeah, the the trick here is you don't want to plan yourself on an income draw to where you're spending your last quarter at 85. <laughs> at 86, we, you're in trouble. We don't know, right? <laughs> yeah. We don't know. Uh, but you also don't want to say, uh, you know, here, I'm going to plan myself to age 130, you know, you're not going to live past anybody post Noah, right? That, that's just not, <laughs> that, that's not likely. I'm, so I'm writing there, that down. That's a good, I'm going to, I'm going to use that. If, you know. So there needs to be a balance here. When are we drawing uh, our assets and how long are we expecting to have to draw those assets? And that helps to go back. And it's what I was saying before, right? It's diversifying your portfolio for that horizon, for that purpose. And with that, it tends to come into other issues that can arise from this is retiring too early mm -hmm. or retiring too late. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I'm a big proponent. If we can get the income to work and you've got the assets to retire, walk out the door. Don't work another day. You know, work doing things that you want to do, not things that you have to do. And so, uh, you know, every once in a while, clients will be a bit surprised where I say, "Hey, look, there's no reason for you to be working anymore. Let's let's get you on a on a path to retirement." And they go, "Well, hold on a second. <laughs> so that's good conversations. Uh, but the other issue here is when clients work too long then your healthy years go away. Yeah. And so the things that you want to do that ends up being, it doesn't matter. You can't do them anymore. Mm -hmm. And so there is going to be a sweet spot here. And again, it all comes through planning, plan on where the income's coming from, what it's looking like, how long it's going to go and how it's stabilized. So that way you can have the retirement be the retirement date to be exactly what it needs to be. Now, if you're currently retired, one of the biggest fears of retirees is getting back in the workforce is having to go back to work. And we all saw it in 2008, right? How many people did we see come back in the workforce working as bank tellers, Home Depot greeters? Everywhere. Right? Yeah. And, and it's because they were scared they were going to run out of money because of the 2000 crash and the 2008 crash. Again, a plan helps to alleviate these concerns. If you know where your income's coming from and how it's going to be structured or stable, then that can help you really be comfortable and confident in that retirement date and not have to go backwards.
Hey, guys, let me jump in and remind everybody this is Sound Path to Retirement. I'm your consumer advocate, Gary Nolan. With me, Ben Koval, Matt Liebarger, and they are with Sound Path Retirement Strategies. Thank you for joining us again on a Sunday morning. I want to give you the phone number. Get on their calendar, 877-249-6900, 877-249-6900. All right, regrets. We had a few. we got a few more minutes left in the segment. So what else you got for us, guys? Sure. I'd say another one I, I hear quite frequently is when we sit down and we discuss uh, Social Security. And some people I'm meeting with who I consider to be quite young in, in the conversation, and we're talking about when to start Social Security and they say, actually, I've already been pulling. I've been pulling right. since, you know, earlier this year. I just turned 62 or, or, or what have you. And and that's fine. We, we discuss the ins and outs of that. But when you're planning for Social Security, if taking it too early, I don't think many people have always done the math. You get the spreadsheet, right? You get the form or you go online and you see what the different payouts are. But when you actually consider the percentages of that, I mean, filing at 62 and taking your lifelong pay versus at 70, radically different. Um, in fact, I think we've looked at the math, uh, the math basically by the time, if you had two parallel universes and the Matt Liebarger in one drew at 62 and the Matt Liebarger in the other drew at 70 at 79, I we basically have taken them out, out the same amount of money. And so if I live one day past 80 years old, I'm making more money for the rest of my life. Had I waited till 70. Now the trade-off, if you wait till 70 and you die at 71, Ah, well, you should have been taken at 62, right? So no, none of us have a crystal ball. And right. this, is, this is where we have to look at health. But but this is part of the planning process. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we always hold out 10 slots every week for our listeners. Um, if you're listening right now and you want to come in and have these conversations, let's talk about uh, your hopes, your dreams, your goals for retirement. We'll sit down and we'll discuss what maybe the best age for filing Social Security for you will be. We'll sit down and we'll analyze your tax goals. We'll look to establish a retirement income goal. And ultimately, we're going to end up creating a single page, easy to understand retirement distribution strategy for you. Uh, also, if you come in, you will get a copy of Ben Koval's book, The Little Book of Big Answers for Retirement Planning Success. Uh, and that'll be yours and our meetings free of charge. Come on in and see us. The number is 877-249-6900. This is your chance to benefit from a personalized retirement income plan. Call right now. We still have a limited number of availabilities on our calendar this week. And remember, the consultation is offered at no cost or no obligation. 877-249-6900. Get a hold of Ben and his team at SoundPath Retirement Strategies. They're looking forward to speaking to you. Get on the calendar. They get busy this time of year. And, you know, you want a stress-free retirement. That's what they'll offer for you when you go see them. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more of Sound Path Through Retirement with Ben and Matt in just a moment. What's coming up next, guys? So every week we discuss concepts and strategies that we can use to create retirement of your dreams. When we come back, Matt and I put Gary on the spot with the retirement quiz. Yeah. to the show. This is Sound Path to Retirement. I'm your consumer advocate, Gary Nolan. Here to help you take charge of your money is Ben Colville, Matt Liebarger. They're with us every week at this time on 97.3 Cairo News Radio. Thank you for spending part of your Sunday morning with us. And by the way, uh, Ben and Matt are fiduciaries, which means by law, they have to have the best interest of their clients. By the way, that's a really important distinction when you're looking for a financial advisor and they specialize in retirement income strategies 
wealth accumulation strategies, all the things we've been talking about. Now, wait a minute. Did I hear you right? You guys are going to quiz me? That's right. We didn't really? give you any of this ahead of time. So oh, no. We'll okay. See. So we'll see how you do. Pop quiz, right? Pop quiz. Take me yep. back to high school. Oh, boy. All right. So uh, <laughs> I think Gary's sweating over there. I am. I am definitely sweating. I'm working up a sweat right now. All right. So <laughs> go ahead, guys. Uh, I'll, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for this. All right. Okay. All right. So let's start with a, with a pretty easy one. Is it ever too late to start planning for retirement? Now, let me think about this. <laughs> I'm thinking. Let me think. Uh, uh, is it never too late? Uh, uh, no, it's never. It's it's never too late. You want to do it now, right? It's never. It's never too late. That is correct. Yes. All right. Now, uh, the issue here is that sometimes you should have been starting earlier, right? But it's never too late to actually look at how we need to rebalance risk, how to structure a plan, how to create time horizons of your funds. Never too late for that. All right. Next. I'm ready. Next question. Uh, 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 let's hit you with this one. Okay. Uh, the four percent rule is all I need to follow in retirement to make my money last. Hmm. Four percent. Yeah, I know about the four percent rule. You withdraw four percent because you th you're always hoping that the market returns four percent. Yeah, I got that. Uh, I'm going to say that. Uh, yeah, that's that's always true. That's definitely always true. Hmm? Oh, Gary. Oh, Gary. Oh no. <laughs> oh, Gary, you're, you're you're breaking our hearts over here. Uh, we we we've we we've hit the four percent. I'm sure a number of times, and, and I like that Gary's playing along. But uh, you know the four percent rule. Even William Bingham, who created the four percent rule, he himself says in times of high inflation, there is no way that this could not absolutely burst your bubble. And speaking of bubble, that's your retirement nest egg. Um, this is something where no, we can plan much better than simply taking four percent out. Uh, especially in times where we don't know what the market return is uh, going to be. The sequence of returns risk uh, is what we call it. Uh, so there's much better ways to prepare. And that's one of the reasons uh, why you should come and see Ben and myself. All right. Next question. All right. Next is once you retire, are you going to be in a lower tax bracket always? Okay. Well, okay. So you're not commuting anymore. You're not you know, doing some things that cost you a lot of money, you know, I don't know. Um, I would say, let me think about this a minute. Uh, no, that's not necessarily true. Mm -mm. Not necessarily. That's correct. All right. That is correct. Now, uh, everybody's going to be different, right? And it comes down to what the dynamic is between your qualified funds, your IRA funds, your Roth accounts, your brokerage stock accounts, and how you end up using them all the way through retirement. Um, I know we've talked about this before, but taxation is the biggest hole that we typically see when clients come and see me. Uh, they don't take into account the fact that tax rates will change once you hit retirement and that you need to be taking advantage of pendulum swings when tax rates are low to be able to do things like Roth conversions and be able to, to maximize that. So this also kind of goes hand in hand with where clients will ask, you know, should I do more money into Roth right now? Well, it depends. It depends on what that plan is at the point of retirement. If you're going to have a higher taxation at retirement, then Roth makes significant sense. But if you're 62 years old making $500,000 a year, Roth probably doesn't make sense when your retirement income is going to be $120,000 a year. So you need to play the game on what your tax rates are going to look like. So not always. All right. So And also your RMDs might push you into a higher tax bracket too, right? Yeah. Forced taxable events, I call them. Yeah, oh. exactly. All right. I'm ready. Next one. Hit me. All right. Retirement. True or false? Retirement marks the end of my professional career. Hmm. I don't know. I think, you know, I think when you're done, you're done. So I'm going to say, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's over. So close, Gary. 
but so far away. Really? No. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> now, m- more than seven in 10 pre-retirees indicate they intend to continue working after they retire. Now, our, our hope, uh, especially with our planning, is that uh, w- if you do work uh, beyond retirement, it's working for joy, doing something you want to do, not because you have to do it. But uh, people who are currently already retired, almost 47% of today's retirees claim they have worked or plan to work while they are retired. Yeah, I'm kind of worried because uh, I the, th- the thought of have my wife having me around 24 seven, that's not going to work out too good. I can tell you right now. <laughs> yeah, you either get a part time job or a part time counselor. Yeah, something. Yeah, either one or the other. Maybe uh, maybe both. Or you know, uh, go you know, go for a drive. Go go for a walk. Uh, see me in three hours. That's what my wife would tell me. You know, uh, yeah, I actually just met with somebody a few weeks back who ha- is retired, has yep, a part time yep. Uber job. Yeah. Just whenever they want to clock in, they clock in. It's purely when they just need to go for a drive, yeah. and uh, and it works well. It works well. Yeah, when you're having an argument with your uh, significant other, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Aren't so, you your own boss, though? No, yeah, well, no, yeah. I, I, I gotta get to work. Yep, gotta get to work. All right, uh, what's next? All right, next Social Security. Social Security, true or false, won't be there for you. Oh, man, we hear so much, huh, so much about Social Security. It's underfunded, it's gonna get cut by 2035. I don't know, but I got to tell you guys, I think it's I think it's always going to be there. I think so. I agree. I agree too. I agree. I got it right. Okay, cool. Well, and here's the thing: is that anybody who tells you they know exactly what's happening with Social Security is lying to you, <laughs> because even the people that run Social Security have no idea what's happening with Social Security. <laughs> but this is where I call it pub advice, right? So if you go to a, a local bar and you belly up there, and there's some guy in the corner talking about how Social Security dropped 62 because it's going away, and you know, the, you know, create that bunker underneath your house and store physical gold and all that stuff to, you know, blah, blah, blah. When it comes to social security itself, there's not really a political appetite to let it go away. No. Uh, first off, the younger generations are pushing more social type programs, not less. And I think they would be very angry with any politician group that lets grandma and grandpa social security check go away. But that all being said, the math of social security is in 2034, there's problems. But the problems will cut the benefit by about 70-something percent, 77% or so. There's no talk right now of it going completely bust, completely bankrupt. It's essentially like when a snake eats something. The baby boomer group is a huge you know, working its way through the snake. But um, generations past it aren't necessarily as big. So, no, I think it still will be there. And I don't think that the benefit will be cut as much as they say here. Uh, the government is very bad at math, so those numbers will change as time goes on. But I am convinced that Congress will inevitably fix the issues. It'll just mean that my kid's full retirement age will be like 90 years old or whatever it is. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's, you know, you hear that it's too big to fail. And that's, that's you know, first of all, seniors vote. We know that. So that's important when it comes to politically. But also, it, like I said, it's too big to fail. And it, the U.S. economy relies on that money every year being pumped in the economy. So you got, you got all kinds of problems if it, if it goes away. By the way, this is Sound Path for Retirement. I'm your consumer advocate, Gary Nolan. With me, Ben Colville, Matt Lieberger. Thank you for joining us again. Sunday morning at 97.3 Cairo News Radio. I want to give you the phone number so you can get on their calendar after the segment, 877-249-6900. All right, we got time for a couple more questions, so hit me. Let's go. Let's do it. All right, All right. I'm going to try to lob up a softball here for you. Okay. Uh, based on what we've discussed earlier. Yep. With the volatility of the markets, I should just get out altogether. <laughs> get out. Get out now. Uh, you know something? 
I think I'm gonna. Get, yeah, no, don't don't do that. Don't don't get out. I mean, you you gotta you gotta stay hang in there for a while. Am I right? Uh, absolutely. I, I will. <laughs> Good job, Gary. <laughs> you you get a second cup of coffee. Oh, thank you. I could use one. All right. Um, you know, we've talked about this, so I, I won't be labor the point, but uh, volatility is actually one of the best times to create uh, wealth and create income in the market. So volatility is not really a bad word. It just takes planning. And when you're going into retirement, it takes specific planning. We want to be able to maximize the gains while minimizing or negating the loss of principal. So these are all things we talk about uh, when you come see. Well, and time horizons. I mean, that's the big thing is make sure that your money's in time horizons. All right, Gary, I got I got one for you here. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready. So we're, we're, I'm going to go back to Social Security. Okay. Uh, now, are Social Security benefits taxable? Well, I know they weren't originally taxable, and then probably Uncle Sam needed some money. But I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say they are. Uh, they're not. I don't know. I don't. I don't think they're taxable. I, I think I don't think they are. No. Yes. Yeah, that's wrong. Oh wait. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I should have known better that one. Well, yeah, of course, if something can be taxed, it probably will be taxed. That's the lesson that we need to learn from this. But Social Security is taxable. Up to 85% of the Social Security amount that you get gets included into your taxable income. So uh, it's important to know that it's not a tax-free thing like a lot of people people assume. Wow, used to be, right? Long time ago. And and some of it can be. So if you're under a certain dollar amount, you know, you're in the poverty range, then the government goes, oh, I'm so sorry. No, we're not going to tax your (laughs) Social Security. I I saw that. The thresholds are so low, it's ridiculous. So, yeah. It's ridiculously low. Yeah, okay. So most people can just assume that, yes, you're going to get up to 85% of it included into your income tax. (laughs) Well, you know, what's important about all of this is that there's so many different factors involved when it comes to overall planning and a retirement plan that really needs to be comprehensive. You know, I I end up... uh, equating this to like a junk drawer of investments. So sometimes clients will come to me and drop their statements and there's no cohesion. It's all just individual investments with a half a dozen advisors that we have no idea how it's supposed to structure or, or create a comprehensive plan. And so for those folks that are concerned about the recent market volatility, concerned about happening within the banks and concerned that their plan isn't cohesive enough to be able to weather the storm, we have 10 ish slots. not sure how many have been filled so far in the, in the show, but tennis shots that we allow complimentary meetings for clients to come in so that we can create that comprehensive financial review. We'll take a look at what you've got, what you have that works, what you have that might not work. Be able to give you some peace of mind if you have a plan that works great or give you some suggestions on if your plan doesn't quite work or if there's going to be some shortfalls. Now, generally, our strategies are best served with clients that have over a million dollars, but we don't turn anybody away that wants to have a serious discussion about their retirement and what they need to do. So when you come in, it's completely complimentary. We'll give you an easy to understand financial review of your portfolio. And this will include things like a fee report, a risk assessment, so that you can help recognize if you're taking unnecessary losses in the portfolio, or if you really need to help protect some of these investments, if we need to create time horizons on it. The big thing that we'll do with this comprehensive review is also perform a tax analysis. Where are you paying too much in taxes? How can we mitigate this? And what can we do? What tools can you use? to help create less of a tax exposure for either you or your beneficiaries. So give us a call. We'll also give you a free copy of my book to give you a good understanding of our philosophy and some question and answer format so that you'd be able to get a good understanding of if you even need a financial advisor or what to do with annuities and those types of things. 877-249-6900. That's a number. Get in touch with Ben and Matt. 877-249-6900. First step, sit down with a financial coach. If something uh, we've been talking about resonates with you, you feel the need to get that second opinion, 
We want to make sure your plan is really aligned with your goals and the very important risk tolerance we talk about. 877-249-6900. Get a hold of Ben and Matt. They're standing by at Soundpath Retirement Strategies. Get on the calendar, and this way you'll have a smooth ride into retirement, stress-free, because that's what everyone is looking for. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more of Sound Path Through Retirement with Ben and Matt. What's coming up next? Uh, when we come back, we've got questions from listeners. That and more right after this. Welcome back to the show. This is Sound Path to Retirement. I'm your consumer advocate, Gary Nolan. And here to help you take charge of your money, back with us, Ben Koval, Matt Lieberger. Thank you for joining us on a Sunday morning. They're with us every week at this time on 97.3 Cairo News Radio. I'm pretty proud of that C minus. I got to tell you, <laughs> that my, my 2.6 uh, average in uh, in college at Suffolk Community College on Long Island. And, you know, there you go. I got my That's better than a C minus. Yeah, I got yeah. my associate's degree. Yeah, it was not bad. All right, let's get to. Uh, <laughs> I'm not as smart as you guys. I mean, come on. Uh, <laughs> okay, we're going to get to our questions here. Let's get to Arthur in Redmond. I'm planning to retire at 62. I have 600,000 in savings, and I have a paid-off rental house with uh, getting 1,400 a month income from that. My house and I are paid. I live in a house. I'm paid off. It's. I'm not sure what to do with my savings. How might a financial advisor help me? What do you guys recommend? Oh, well, first, first and foremost, Gary, thanks for saying we're smarter than you. We, we, we all know we all know that's not true. Uh, Arthur, great question, and congrats for having two homes paid off. Let me start off with that. You're you're planning to retire at 62. You've got uh, a positive stream of income, and this also tells me that this isn't you know your first year being a landlord. If you have a rental that's paid off, you've been doing this for a while. So if our listeners have have been listening week in and week out, every once in a while, Ben and I will talk about. Uh, the dangers of people taking the retirement nest egg and putting it for the first time into rental real estate. And we always say, if you're in your 60s and 70s and you've never done this before, please, please, please don't try. Let's let's do something else with your money. <laughs> However, if you've been doing this for a while and you know what you're doing, uh, then then you're a professional. You got it. So, you know, what I would say is with the 600,000, let's create uh, uh, you know, a, a safe distribution strategy with that money and see how we can diversify that. And if you want to continue to be a, a landlord and have that 1400 a month coming in, uh, that's, that's great. At some point, if you divest of that property, uh, that's just going to be a hedge against long-term inflation down the road. So I, I think you've done a great job. Let's sit down and figure out how to um, grow your 600,000 without losing the principal. Yeah. The big thing about that rental conversation is that it's not necessarily that someone that's 62 years old can't become a landlord and do just fine at it. Anybody who has been in the real estate world and has been a landlord knows that it takes some time before oh, yeah. you actually know comfortably what you're doing and it takes expense. It takes effort. And so the issue here is that if you're 62 years old and you jump into that game, you're not going to start feeling comfortable and confident until you're like 70 years old. And at that point, you're going to start going, this is a headache. I'm not sure if I even want it. And then you might have to be forced into some some bad decisions. So, no, it's not necessarily that you can't do it. It's that it's typically doesn't work as well as you typically think where I just buy something and then I just sit at home and everything's great as income flows in. Yeah, I, I thought that when I was in my 20s, when I first started buying real estate 
and being a landlord. Yeah. And then when I realized, you know, that I think I looked in the mirror and already looked like I was 80 years old by the time I was 30, uh, I realized how much work it takes. Yeah, flooded apartments, all yeah. that stuff. You get, oh, that, yeah. you get that call too in the morning. Uh, the water heater's not working, right? <laughs> yep. I've had those calls. I've yeah. had those calls. Yeah. It can yep. be difficult. Like me trying to get rent from my son who lives with me. That's difficult too. You know, very difficult. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different conversation. Yeah, I have absolutely. him on speed dial. Should yeah, we get please, him on the yeah, show? Yeah, we're going to have to talk to him. But I don't want to throw the grandkids out. Just him. All right. Just him. <laughs> All right. Edith and Everett. I was let go from my job recently, and I have only two weeks left until my final 60 days are up. The 401k provider that my company went through is saying that I can leave my funds there, and I only will start getting penalized beginning on June 1st. I'm clueless when it comes to IRA funds, and I really don't want to cash out my 401k. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. I understand about penalizing. Do you guys, um, what, what do you have for Edith? Yeah, so um, this can be somewhat somewhat common if we have under a certain dollar amount in a 401k or if it's a smaller company that issued the 401k. And so, yeah, you don't want to keep it in there because keeping it in there will just start to deteriorate your funds needlessly. But you also don't want to cash it out. You don't want to take that money and put it right to your bank account because then you'll have to pay penalties most likely and taxation. So what you do is just a rollover. And so you'll roll over that 401k into an IRA with Fidelity, Schwab, uh, Vanguard, whoever. And that rollover is not taxable. And then it becomes an IRA that you can invest however you want and it won't get eaten alive with, uh, with fees uh, outside of the fees that you end up picking for the investments. So, um, yeah, real easy rollover, real simple to do. Any of the big custodians would be able to to help get that over. Yeah, you thanks. I, I, didn't we do a whole segment on IRA rollovers yeah. last week? Yeah, Edith, we did. Where were you, Edith? He should have been listening, but but no harm. <laughs> it's okay. You're with us now. We certainly appreciate that. All right. <laughs> but next time, pay attention. No, I'm kidding. Edith, thank you so much. Uh, this is Sound Path Through Retirement. I'm your consumer advocate, Gary Nolan, with me. Uh, ben Coble, Matt Liebarger with us every week at this time on 97.3 Cairo News Radio. And I want to give you the phone number. Get on their calendar. And this way, you'll have a conversation, no cost, no obligation. And uh, figure out what's next. What's your next move? Make sure you have a good plan. 877-249-6900. 877-249-6900. And we have questions from our listeners that came in. All right, let's see. Uh, where to leave off? Oh, Michael in Seattle. I found a bank that has a 5% CD rate for an 18-month CD. I was debating whether I should throw some of my savings into it. What do you think? What do you got from Michael? Well, you know, looking at CD rates right now, uh, I think it's got a lot. Of, I know that when I sit with people, uh, it's got a lot of people excited con- compared to how CD rates have been. In the past, right? We we haven't really looked at CDs as a as a major growth market, but with interest rates skyrocketing, one of the things you see is CD rates are are increasing. Fixed index rates are increasing. Um, so, and it's interesting they're they're changing so quick. If we looked one week from now, uh, an eighteen month or a six month or a twelve month, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're changing. Uh, ben and I sit down every morning and we look at the current rates that are out there. So. Um, throwing some into a CD, CDs, fixed uh, annuities, they have a place within a portfolio as part of our holistic planning process. Where do they fit and for what purpose? Um, you know, the idea of thinking that now it's the fix all of everything, I'll just take everything out of the market and throw it into a CD. I can't lose in a scary market. And I'm getting 5%. Well, 5% is better than it was, but 
it's not outpacing inflation that we've been seeing. So uh, this is just something that we need to have as part of our holistic conversation. Yeah, it's all about time horizons again. Uh, and also, we've got the inversions that have been happening for months now where you've got you know like an 18-month CD earning higher rates than a three-year CD that's earning higher rates than a five-year CD. So the longer you lock something up, outside of the break-even point, the less money that you're going to be getting. So it's not a bad time to invest in short-term investment vehicles. Now, if you have some savings, though, uh, a CD might not be your best bet. We've talked about this before, but I-bonds right now are some of the best investment vehicles that you can do. I-bond is an inflation-adjusted treasury issue, and right now they're earning over 6%. And those ones are essentially liquid after... 14 months. And so you'd be getting more return and uh, less of a time horizon constriction. Now, the uh, the qualification here is that you can only put up to $10,000 per person per year in I-bonds. So if you have more than that, then you, know, you, you won't be able to do that. But honestly, if you have more than that, then you need to create more of a comprehensive plan than just kind of shoveling money into chasing the hottest return or the, the highest interest rate. So the short-term, shorter-term CDs are actually earning more than the longer-term, and that's called an, like an inversion? Is that what you guys said? Something like yeah, that? it's yeah. called an inversion. Well, if you want to hear something fascinating is you can get money market accounts mm-hmm. earning higher than even CDs, like a 10-year CD. So you get some inversions that are getting pretty crazy out there. Um, and, and again, everything kind of has its place, but it also means that it makes no sense for you to lock up your funds for 10 years on a 10 year CD. Yeah. You know, it's with, interesting. Uh, yeah. Interest so I just, like I just Googled CD rates and, you know, I find here 3d rates at 4.5%, one year rates at 5.25. So like you said, how about that? That's pretty unusual. All right. Uh, well, time I don't for- want to quote that because tomorrow it's going to change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Uh, time for one more question. Here we go. Lisa in uh, Kirkland. Should I be contributing to my 401k or Roth 401k? My employer offers both, and I currently contribute 4% to the Roth 401k and 3% to my 401k. Should I go full Roth? I currently make $135,000 a year and uh, anticipate it going up uh, yearly. What do we have for Lisa? Yeah, generally, yes. Uh, Roth accounts, it depends on age, of course, Lisa. I'd never ask you your age um, and broadcast that over the radio, but... uh, Depending on what your retirement time frame is, then that will determine a bit on whether you should be going Roth or traditional and what you have in different buckets. So I like to have three pots of money uh, for retirees, one pot that's taxable, one pot that is tax-free like a Roth, and one pot that is capital gain exposed like a brokerage account. And the reason is that you'll be able to use each of these pots of funds at various times depending on the current tax structure that's uh, happening either state-wise or uh, federally as well. And so you want to have the right balance. Now, that being said, uh, if you're anticipating that you are going to be making more money in the future and you want to be aggressive on a on a strategy and minimize the potential impact of future tax changes, which, you know, by the way, taxes are going to go up. Shh, don't, tell, don't tell anybody. No. <laughs> they they, they kind of have to. So it's a good idea to put it into Roth. And I would recommend based on the limited information that you do go full Roth. Especially because Secure Act 2.0 now changed it to where you can actually get your contributions from your employer now into Roth. Before, you couldn't. Any contribution an employer does was always traditional. It was always 401k, IRA type of uh, contribution. But now you can actually get them putting it into Roth. 
The downside is, of course, you having to pay the taxes. You're absorbing the taxes of that employer putting money into your Roth. So, you know, make sure that you're not overdoing it. But generally speaking, yeah, as much Roth as you can get, the better hedge you will have on future tax increases. All right. Thanks to Lisa, Michael, Edith, and Arthur for your questions. We're up against the clock, guys. Uh, tell our listeners one more time why they need to come see you. Yeah, well, now, now's a good time to open up the phone lines. As Ben said earlier, we always leave 10 slots every week in our calendar uh, for our listeners to call in. Uh, and, you know, our our plans, you know, our sweet spot is generally with people with over a million dollars of assets, but we never turn anyone away to come sit down. Uh, when you come in and sit down with us, we're going to take a holistic approach. We're going to look at income planning, tax planning, insurance planning, estate planning, and of course, investment planning. Uh, so come sit down with us, share with us where you are and what your hopes and your dreams are. We're going to first and foremost, listen to you and we're going to get a good idea. And then we're going to begin to sit down and create a plan to last you to age 100 and, uh, and be a partner with you. So Give us a call. Come sit down. If you do, you will get a copy of Ben's book, The Little Book of Big Answers for Retirement Planning Success. 877-249-6900. 877-249-6900. Our goal at the show here is help you make the best decision. So if you have any questions about what we're talking about or how it may apply to your own situation, just get a hold of Ben and his team. They're standing by at Sound Path Retirement Strategies, 877-249-6900. And this way you'll get a, you know, smooth retirement, stress-free retirement. And uh, Ben and uh, Matt will put a great plan together for you. All right. We are out of time. The show has flown right on by. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. We hope you found the information we presented helpful. Look forward to all of you being back next week with new topics, new questions right here on Sound Path for Retirement. Uh, by the way, if there's going to be a quiz next week, please give me a little uh, chance to study, guys, okay? <laughs> will do. Thanks, guys. I enjoyed the show. Always great to talk to you. All content is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to provide any tax or legal advice or provide the basis for any financial decisions, nor is it intended to be a projection of current or future performance or indication or future results. Opinions expressed are solely those of SoundPath Retirement Strategies and staff. The information discussed has been derived from sources believed to be reliable, but is not guaranteed as to accuracy and completeness and does not purport to be a complete analysis of the materials discussed. The information contained herein should in no way be construed or interpreted as a solicitation to sell or offer to sell advisory services to any residents of the state other than the state of Washington or where otherwise legally permitted. Topics should be discussed with your individual advisor prior to implementation. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires the review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and the possible loss of capital. SoundPath Retirement Strategies is not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. Advisory services offered through SoundPath Retirement Strategies, an investment advisor in the state of Washington.